What's going on, everybody? I am Jane Banks, and you're tuned in to Urban Outcome Podcast, brought to you by the Pitch Podcast Network. I know it's been a while uh, since I posted or uploaded anything in regards to the podcast, about a month and a half now. But yeah, I just needed to take some time. So before we get started with this episode, I just wanted to give a huge, massive, gigantic thank you to everybody who has supported this show in any way, shape, or form over the past year, whether it be appearing on the show, contributing music for the show, uh, giving us questions for our relationship talk, anything you've done in, in terms of helping this show grow and move forward, I really do thank you because you could be doing anything else with your time, but instead you choose to spend it here with me. So I definitely appreciate that. I never thought this show would actually grow to the lengths that it has. And for that, I am just massively grateful. And I feel enormously blessed to be able to have a platform that people like to listen to, people trust, and people ask to be on because they know this is somewhere that people go to get the information in regards to what's going on in our community here in Kansas City. And from this program, I've been able to do so many different things that I never thought I'd be able to do in my life. And for that, I'm truly grateful. But uh, before we start that, I guess I got to take it back a little bit to maybe four months ago. We're going to start from, I guess we got to start from the beginning and then go back even further before that if you want to get the whole story. But, you know, I've, I've decided to come on and really talk about some things because it's like Jay-Z says, you can't heal what you've never revealed. And about... Four months ago, I was actually in the process of writing an article for The Pitch. That article was going to be based around black men who use hip-hop as a form of therapy because we really don't have very many outlets as black men to express ourselves and tell our emotions and really work through whatever bullshit we got going on in our minds. As I was working on that article and doing research, kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that I had a mountain of bullshit that I had not ever worked through or even realized really until I sat down and started listening to people talk about black men and mental health and how we are, well, how we have closed off ourselves to dealing with emotions in a constructive way. I, I was steadily just reading things and, and feeling like those things were specifically catered towards me. Like these articles were, were talking to me specifically with everything I was going through. And it, it really gave me a, a chance to look back on everything that's happened in my life, especially within the past 10 or so years, and really, really do some some long, hard thinking on it and how these things affected my life and how they still uh, affect them today. And I really just needed some time to sit back and recalibrate and readjust and realign and just try to think of a way to get back on a level footing because on one hand this year has been a huge roller coaster year like like I said I've been doing things I never thought I'd do I've been meeting a lot of people I've been joining organizations and it's been a blessing a, a, an enormous blessing for me to be able to do this with the lack of experience or credentials that most people would need to do this that is just something that blew my mind but at the same time i had a bunch of personal stuff come up that i had to somehow deal with like i said the past 10 years it seems like it's just been constantly uh coming at me like i don't know like I, I guess in order to get the full grasp of my story we gotta travel even further uh back to like 2012 when i had gotten my financial aid from umkc cut so they were just like you don't qualify for any more financial aid which confused the hell out of me because i knew people who were going to college for like 10 years still getting financial aid. They told me, uh, unfortunately, you don't qualify. So you can either pay us $7,000 up front or, you know, God bless you. And of course, in not having the resources that a lot of college students have, it was just like, yo, I'm just going to have to stack bread and hope I can come back and finish this last 18 hours, credit hours, so I can get this degree. Now, mind you, at this point, I'm like 22 years old and I'm not trying to live with my mom. I'm not trying to uh, 
live off of her being a grown man. You know, I already didn't have a car at the time. I didn't have a job. So I was like, yo, I got to get this stuff straight. Uh, but, you know, the smarter thing probably would have been to do would be to find a job, stay with my mom for maybe a year or two and get the money. Uh, but unfortunately, me being younger, me being more uh, rash in my decision making, I was like, yo, I got to get a job. I got to find an apartment. I got to get on my grown man shit. Because this right here, this living at mom's house is not cracking up. So I went on the job search. First, let me go back to the massive feeling of shame that came along with me not graduating, with me not getting my college degree. Because on one hand, I'm, I'm the first man in my family to ever go to college, attend the university. So for me, it was like I'm the chosen one. Like I'm the one who's going to change shit here in this family because at one point in time, my family was, was made up. There wasn't one man in my family who had a legitimate legal job. Like everybody was out there hustling or grinding or doing whatever to get money. And it wasn't any man in our family who was just like had an everyday job, nine to five. So that's really what I aspired to. I was just like, yo, if, if I could just make it to get into like a regular nine to five job, that'd be cool. So going to college was just like something I had really not even planned for. Not finishing. And on top of that, joining my fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha, where education and scholarship and graduation is such key pieces. And Alpha had become such a key part of my life that I felt like I was a failure in that capacity. Like it was at that point I kind of distanced distance myself from the brotherhood because I felt like even though I love those men and I felt like uh, it, it was just my mind I felt like I was looked down upon like they were uh, turning their noses up to me for not graduating and essentially not really doing anything on my life because as an alpha you're supposed to strive to be the best to be the change in the community but it's kind of hard to do that when you're you know broke unemployed no car no nothing of your own to show. And I really took that hard because that, that those are like my family. Like I was closer to them than I was my actual family. So to have that feeling of isolation after having years of, of camaraderie and brotherhood, it, it really uh, shifted. You know, everything I did was, was alpha related. Like the people I hung out with on the weekends, the people I talked to during the week, you know, if I was having a hard time and even though that didn't go anywhere because I didn't finish uh, college, I knew they were still there for me. I just felt this overwhelming amount of shame for not finishing college. And it really stayed with me a long time to the point where, you know, I, I when if I saw somebody out in public, that I knew from college, I would like try to avoid them because I don't want that conversation like Oh, yeah. When did you end up graduating? Oh, you know, where do you work at now? You know, I wanted to com completely avoid any kind of conversations along those lines because that would involve me saying, oh, yeah, by the way, I failed at all that shit. I'm just living my regular normal life as if I didn't go to college. And yeah, and that, that was super tough on me. So after that happened, I ended up getting into a relationship and which probably wasn't the best idea at that point in my life because I didn't have anything I could offer anybody. I was just a great guy with a good sense of humor. As I got into that relationship, uh, you know, the first, the only job I was able to find after that instance of, of leaving college was Seventh Heaven on Truce here in Kansas City. Now, for those of my listeners who are not familiar with the Kansas City metro area, Seventh Heaven started out as a music store, like a record store. Uh, but through the decades, it's evolved into a smoke shop. It's evolved into a sex shop. So they sell everything you can imagine under the sun for the weirdest variety of people in Kansas City. When I tell you I had, you know, big plans coming out of high school to be somebody, and then years later, I found myself slinging blunt raps and dildos at seventh heaven needless to say life was not lining up with how i thought shit was going to be going so once again that added to another layer of just disappointment and guilt and stress and shame that this is your life like after all the shit you fought and struggled and make your try to make your way through like this is where you ended back up at like it was pointless as i was in that relationship you know i was steadily trying to look for better jobs because seventh heaven was paying minimum wage 
And each job I found, it was slightly better, but it was still nowhere near, you know, what I needed to make in order to sustain a adult lifestyle with a partner. And the years just continued to go. And I've had I had little victory after little victory, like tiny victories. But the, the needle wasn't moving fast enough or, or as it as it, we would have hoped it would. So that also just caused another huge amount of weight on my shoulders thinking like, yo, you need to hurry up and find a job that's going to pay you the money so you can support yourself and your partner. Uh, but that never really happened. Like I can remember just looking for job after job and I actually started going on interview after interview after interview and not getting the job. And each time I didn't get the job, like I would feel like the interview would go great and I'd go home and hype myself up and I didn't get the job. So I would just feel embarrassed. Uh, and I know she was embarrassed because, you know, you got your group of girlfriends talking about what your, what your guy does. And then, you know, your turn comes up and, oh, he slings blunt raps and dildos at seventh heaven, you know, and as, as I, I steadily started getting better jobs and I say better jobs in the sense of better than what I had initially started off as, as that instance slowly got better. I was able to get a few other jobs. It was just a matter of me struggling and trying, fighting tooth and nail really, to try to get to a point where I was level with my partner. Because she was doing incredible work at her job. She had been working there for years and years and years. And I just felt incredibly low. She would ask you know about like us moving to a house and me getting an engagement ring and it was just like yo i can barely afford bills but you know when you're working and living and being around uh and that's also the first time i ever moved out the hood like i moved up to north kansas city for a few years and yeah everything was just different up there like you didn't know anybody you didn't really have any kind of uh, fallback, you know, pretty much when, you know, things got bad at home, I was just there in North Kansas City. It wasn't nobody I could be like, let me pull up and, you know, let some steam off. But as time went on, you know, I was I was steadily just continuously trying to make a way um, as best I could. And that also was around the time my eldest brother was going through a lot of his stuff trying to also make a way and he was even further back than I was like I thought my situation was bad but he was a, a grown man with PTSD and alcoholism and he could not hold down a job he could not do basic things that you know we take for granted as everyday people because he was just so traumatized and he had lived with me for a few years uh in different places after I started back working before I moved back up to North Kansas City and you know, it, it was just I got to see firsthand what that looked like, just seeing him have these night terrors and waking up screaming in the middle of the night and uh, just instances of him being super depressed and not really understanding, you know, what that what that meant, because I was just so wrapped up in my own personal struggle that I didn't have time to, you know, be my brother's keeper and really take on the struggles that he was having because I'm fighting tooth and nail to try to make my way out this hole that I've ended up in. And, you know, as I moved back to North Kansas City, I've, I kind of wasn't able to able to help him as much as I was. I wasn't there for him as much as I could have been, you know, when I was staying in the city, you know, one bus ride away from him. So he ended up he was he's just in this very toxic relationship with his baby mama, like two people who are not in a good area and they're not going to be in a good relationship and everybody in my family had said yo too you need to get away from her like that shit like his line his life went on a steady decline as soon as he met her and then he got her pregnant twice and so the hooks were in and unfortunately you know when when two people are both doing bad stuff like everybody in our family was pretty much like yo you got to stop drinking like that's what's causing these problems. Like, we understand that's your coping mechanism, but it's not helping you at all. So as everybody's telling them this, and, and, pretty, and pretty much people are telling them, like, yo, you can come stay here. You can come live here until you get things together, but you can't get drunk. You can't get fucked up over here. And he didn't want to, he couldn't do that. Uh, so he ended up back with his baby mama, who was also on her own bullshit. So when you got people with, 
addictive personalities like they're they, they end up being your enabler like they end up rooting you on instead of being like you need to do better and as time went on she pretty much that's when like abuse start happening like he got stabbed in his back like she stabbed him in the back she got him kicked out of his apartment so he was pretty much homeless again and once he you know whenever she got mad at him he she would kick him out and you know one day it got so bad he ended up you know he was drunk he was emotional he felt like he didn't have anywhere else to go and on the back stairs of of her home he ended up taking his own life you know i after that i really i guess that's the point where i really emotionally kind of shut down that's the point where i really just started going through the motions and you know because i felt so guilty about what happened to him because i couldn't help but i couldn't stop thinking about last moments of his life like if he really felt like nobody loved him if he really just had all these crazy thoughts going through his head and if any of that could have been alleviated by calling me and i always just think about that like the last phone call i ever had with my brother is it was it was completely different because my brother whenever he called me he would talk for a little bit and then he would slide some shit in at the end he would you know talk about some bullshit and then be like oh yeah i mean to hit you up about this bro is it cool if you know xyz can i borrow a few bucks can i come crash tonight or you know do you got this i can get you know whatever but this phone call i was really stressing out because like i said i was going through the stuff with my girl at the time and i really just didn't this is not going to end in a positive like i could see no way getting out of this hole and things working out with her and he had called me and i was just like venting and ranting and and, and just going off about life and then at the end of the phone call he had said you know it's cool bro don't worry about it like things are going to get better like everything is going to be all right you are smart you are talented and no matter what happens you're going to be able to get everything on course because that's just who you are i always felt like that was super weird because he just was he'd never called to talk to me like that that's crazy it may sound like we never really i never really had the brother to call to vent to and be like Oh, I hope everything's going to be okay because everybody always looked at me like I'm the oldest because I was always had my shit together. I always was super mature for my age and never in any bullshit. But, you know, at, at that time, I just felt myself being bitter and, and just felt like there was no way out. And then, you know, weeks later, he ended up committing suicide. And I can just remember getting that call at like 11.45 at night. And my brother telling me like, to would have committed suicide. Like he shot himself in the head. And I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, it was just a major, you know, even more so than the suicide. Because my brother had issues. Like he had, he had had a suicide attempt years later, but before, um, dealing with that woman uh but it 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 really hit me because i felt like i didn't do enough like i wasn't a good brother i you know didn't i didn't make sure he knew how much i loved him and how much i cared and how much i wanted him to get better because i just didn't understand and it wasn't until after his death you know i understand the issue of suicide amongst veterans in the armed services and what uh exponentially higher level of suicide rates they have in normal everyday citizens because of the shit they have to go through over there and you know after his death one of his recorded therapy sessions he had with a, a shrink at the va <clears throat> and i listened to it and i just did not i had no idea like they what he was doing over there you know i couldn't imagine you know having to go over there and treat everybody like they're an enemy and, and you know kill people and having that drilled in your head that you're going to be attacked you're going to be uh and you know he, he specifically was talking about this one instance where they were like pinned down and waiting for a helicopter to come pick them pick them up and this 
you know, village in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the desert with no lights, like essentially no electricity, just pitch black. And you're pinned down in this area waiting for a hell of a, a helicopter to come evacuate you and your men. And it was just so crazy that he would go through all this stuff and just never talk about it. And I had no idea, but that didn't change the fact that I felt guilt and shame for not being there for him. And then on top of all of that, about six months after that, my nephew, his oldest son, who at the few at his funeral, I swore I was like, Look, I got you. Don't worry about nothing. You know, he's gone, but I'm going to be here for you. And six months after that, he got shot and killed. And that affected me even more than when Suter killed himself because he was a grown man. Like he was an adult who made a decision. It was a bad decision. I wasn't able, I, you know, comprehend what went into that decision a little bit more after I've done more research and listened to his thoughts on the matter, uh, you know, after the fact, but my nephew got shot and killed, you know, with some dumb little nigga trying to rob him. And I couldn't, I couldn't function after that. Like I really couldn't wrap my head around. Like I've had people in my family killed before. Like, uh, my cousin Stacy got shot and killed. Like, but my nephew, my, you know, 20 year old nephew who at this funeral for his father, me and, and my brothers were sitting here planning his 21st birthday with him, telling him like, yo, we, we going to get you fucked up. Like you ain't going to even remember it. And then not even to make it to that 21st birthday because somebody shot and killed him because they wanted something he had. And it's like, like, I know people get shot and killed every day, but my nephew who I watched grow from a baby to an adult who was more so like a little brother because, uh, you know, he was only, he wasn't that much younger than me. So at that point, it was just, I literally shut down. Like, even now looking back at my life, I would wake up, go to work, come home, sit on the couch and like look at the iPad. And I couldn't, for the life of you, I couldn't even tell you what I was looking at. I was just looking at YouTube videos or anything to keep my brain from processing that two major pieces of my life are no longer there and you know just steadily you know uh getting high i mean i had always smoked weed but i was just getting high every day like i smoked started smoking weed way way more and i had started drinking again uh here and there not bad but i had started back just drinking like because I just felt shady. Like, I, I didn't... And it wasn't until I really took this time to look back on things and see how things had just ramped up and how I did start kind of diving more into ways to keep my mind off of things and ways to not feel what I was feeling. And I wasn't... I'm not a big emotional type person, so I wasn't really going to talk about that with people like I didn't know um how to talk to like I had a, a partner sitting right there next to me every single day but I didn't know how to open up and let her know that like I'm not okay like I'm fucking hurt like I'm broken right now like but I always had that sense of like drilled into me like as a man you got to keep that shit together like you got to be the rock you got to can't show that emotion and I didn't realize how much that shit ate away at me. I'm like, pretty much just killed me each and every day. Like, I would tell her, like, I would have instances at work that, you know, I, I, I thought about my brother or my nephew and just start getting emotional. And what I meant by that is I would think about them and I would go out to my car and start weeping, like bawling uh, just at these random things like uh, phrases or, you know, I remember one time I was driving by 31st and Truce, and that was a bus stop that back when I was riding the bus, you know, me and my brother used to actually randomly see each other because he would be riding the bus uh, east to west and I'd be riding the bus north to south. And that was the point where I'd be getting off the bus, you know, going from Truce and he'd be getting off the bus going uh, through 31st. And, you know, I would just hear him yell out, one Miguel. That's what he called me. Uh, we grew up in San Diego, and it, it was an inside joke about me. He used to think I was a Mexican when I was a kid because I was in a class full of Mexicans. And after that, everybody called me Juan Miguel as a joke. 
but he always called me Juan Miguel and I'd get off the bus and I would just hear that voice come uh, yelling across the block and I would instantly know it was him. And I remember, you know, whenever I would drive through that area, I could hear his voice so clearly yelling, yelling out my name. And one time I had even felt like I saw him getting on the bus and I almost crashed my car and almost turned around like to follow the bus. But I knew it wasn't him. I mean, I had never really experienced loss like that. Like I've lost family members. You know, my aunt Chloe, when she died uh, that last year of college, which also added to that terrible uh feeling because I remember promising her I'm going to graduate like and then when she died I swore to her I was like yo I'm going to keep that promise and then after she you know I didn't graduate that hit me hard too but yeah I've had family members die but having those two individuals who just meant so much to me like I don't know even now at certain points where I still have to remind myself they're gone because I still feel like Tudor is on that bus stop on 31st or little man is just somewhere out in South Kansas city riding around. Like it affected me to the point where I, I thought I could trick reality. Like if I just didn't think about it or if I didn't really uh, spend too much time dwelling on it. Uh, but it, it, it was steadily, it was always there and there was nothing I could do about it. That's actually how the podcast came across because I was so fucked up and just didn't know how to talk about anything. I was just like, you know what? Let's start a podcast talking about these things. Because I started doing research on vets and suicide rates. I started doing research on, you know, homicide in Kansas City. And it's just like so much stuff I found out. It was just like, I need to share with people. Like, I need to really get this stuff out. And that's how, you know, the podcast started. And that that was my coping mechanism like that was my therapy and i started you know putting everything i had into it because it was making me better like it was making me feel better and for the first time since i had lost them i was starting to feel like myself like i was starting to feel back on track uh but then that facet also took a negative turn when you know i started spending too much time and attention and money on the, the podcast. And it started taking away from my relationship at home. And, you know, that also may have played a big part into us no longer being together. And, you know, we were both at a at an instance where we had been together for like nine and a half years and we're still staying in the same apartment. And, you know, I really hadn't made any leeway in terms of, accomplishments or any kind of strides forward in life and you know she was very fed up with the standstill and she would tell me you know like something's got to change and she had told me this for years and you know it wasn't until like I started doing the podcast and I found my voice pretty much that you know I really started I, I guess it wasn't until the podcast I, I really was able to open my eyes and really take a look at the world again and see what bad condition our relationship was in. Cause I had checked out like really, I don't even know if she knows this, like just how much I had went on autopilot and stopped feeling like stopped caring about everything. Cause how do you tell somebody you don't, you can't find it in yourself to care about life anymore because you don't know how to work through these issues of your brother not being there anymore. Like your, your nephew, your firstborn nephew not being there no more. Like I didn't know how to tell her, like I'm just fucked and I don't know if I'm going to be okay. And so I stopped paying as much attention as I should to her and house stuff. And pretty much the only thing I was able to do was throw myself into uh, work in the podcast and I would stay up late nights uh, because I, for the first time since college, I felt like I had found something I could capitalize on. I had found something that I could possibly maybe make myself into something more. Like I knew I didn't have a college degree, 
But maybe with this podcast, I could be something better than what you see in front of you. So I threw myself completely into like I worked harder. Like I was staying up all night working on business plans and emailing people. And it was a really tough experience because you have people that you feel like are on your team. uh, You feel like are your friends and you feel like would support you. And you don't get none of that shit from them. You know, you, you have family members who will tell you like, yeah, congratulations. Let me know what you need. And then on the other end, it'll be like nowhere to be found. You know, when it comes down to it, even something small shit like, hey, can you like my Facebook fan page is something you can't depend on from people. So uh, that was a soul crushing experience. But I know that's just a part of the grind of anybody trying to establish anything on their own now. Uh, but yeah, I, I was trying to do that. I had finally found something I was good at and I enjoyed doing and was actually getting good feedback on. As that was going on, I was, you know, having these steady, steadily having these little victories. Uh, you know, I would tell her about them. And I just felt like it, the excitement I had, it was not mirrored. I just was like, I don't get it. Like, this is the first time in a while I've been able to be excited about anything. You know, essentially she wasn't happy, so she kind of shut down. I was already at the point where we I wasn't able to really talk to her or really... And, you know, emotionally connect about what was going on with me. So, you know, and I didn't really want to talk to her about the podcast because I would tell her exciting news and she would just be like, oh, it's cool. And I just feel discouraged. You know, it, it, it really, you know, at that point, I was already going through the depression with with the loss of my you know loved ones. And then it just uh, the relationship started to crumble in on itself. It, it's just a horrible feeling because this was the first woman I ever loved and you know, I still loved it at that point, but I felt I knew she wasn't happy. I knew I wasn't making her happy. I knew she wasn't happy in the situation she was in, and I didn't know any way to fix that. Uh, and then, you know, so at a certain point, she's, you know, you feel, you feel that heat, you know, you feel the tension. And I can remember just coming home and sitting in my car for a while uh, after work because it was just like, man, I don't want to go in there. Because once I go in there, something's going to get triggered. It's going to be a fight. Something about money's going to come up. Something about engagement's going to come up. Something about a ring or a house is going to come up. And then I'm going to instantaneously feel like a piece of shit. Or I'm going to get depressed. Or, you know, those little small triggers that instantaneously, you know, I felt like it was stealing my joy. Like this podcast and these little things were bringing me back to life. But these little instances where I get it, she was aggravated. She felt like she should have been moving forward or quicker, and she wasn't. And she was didn't want me to think like that shit was okay, so she would let me know. You know, at the same time, I felt myself feeling like this is all pointless. Like, I'm never going to accomplish the things I need to accomplish to make you happy. And, you know, at the end of the day, it really came down to a point where... She was making sure I knew she wasn't happy and I wasn't happy because, you know, she was pretty much making sure I knew like she was not in a position uh, she wanted to be in. And when you have someone you love with all your heart, you want them to be happy. And when you're not making them happy and you have them letting you know they're not happy, you know, you feel like you're a failure. And at the same time, I'd say this probably when I start to tune out of hip hop also, because it's crazy when you start feeling like you're the broke piece of shit. Like you're the, the nigga in the song they're rapping about who can't take care of that girl who can't give them the purses or the jewelry they want. And you just feel like a, a loser, essentially. And yeah, I was like, I couldn't listen to rap because number one, I couldn't listen to the lyrics about you robbing and killing a nigga when my nephew just got shot and killed during a robbery. And then you had lyrics where it was just like, yo, I'm going to take your girl because you ain't giving her what she want. And it's just like, that's true. That could very well happen. My girlfriend at the time could meet a man who has an abundance of money and she could just be like, you know what? This is a better fit. I can I can get the things I want. And I want to make it seem like she's just all about materialism or anything. Uh, But people want what they want. 
And essentially, I wasn't going to, I, w- I didn't expect her to sit around with me as I got my shit together and, you know, hoped this podcast thing would pan out. You know, I just, we, we began not communicating. We began not talking and that steadily ended up to the breaking down of our relationship to, you know, one point. You know, pretty much we would have these instances where it was like, I think we're going to break up. And then we don't. And then a couple months later, we'd have the same conversation. And then after a certain point where I literally was just at a really, really bad place and having really bad thoughts. And I just felt like life was not worth living. You know, I would never commit suicide and do that to my mother and have her with two sons who killed themselves. But you know, I, I just felt like I didn't want to be here anymore. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't, you know, and even if I did, I, I, I knew I would be going back to nothing. Like, I didn't have a, a fallback. I didn't have, like, a savings. I didn't have, you know, my car was a piece of shit. You know, I'd have to move back in with my mom. I just didn't have any sort of fallback plan because I didn't ever anticipate us not working out. So when that happened, uh, it pretty much just was just like, you know, if I stay here, I don't even know what's going to happen to me. I don't even know what I'm going to do. And then I start looking at parallels with my brother and his relationship with him not being happy. And it's nowhere near the the abusive shit that she was, you know, putting my brother through. You know, my girl didn't stab me in the back or, you know, leave voicemails telling me how I'm, I'm not shit on my phone or anything. So... It was nowhere near that, but it was just a feeling of me feeling like I'm not shit. Like me feeling like I didn't, you know, I tricked her or something. Like I made her feel like I was going to be this incredible, successful guy. And then, you know, the floor dropped in on me. And I don't know, after a certain amount of years, I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I kept a, sh- a good face on like you know, don't worry, these things are going to pan out. But after a certain amount of time, I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't tell her that. And, you know, I really, after that, you know, I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life um, at all. Like, I moved out, moved back in with my mom. You know, shit was not going good. Like, I was genuinely the most depressed I think I had ever been since my brother's and my nephew's death. Like, after we broke up and I moved out, I gave up again on life. I was just like, I don't know, like the podcast had kind of plateaued and, you know, everything was just in shambles at that point. So pretty much what I decided to do was relaunch the podcast under the current title, Urban Alchemy Podcast, and just kind of reformat it to do more interviews with people in the community and more media reviews that I care about and not what's just hot in the news. And uh, we also ended up doing a relationship talk, uh, which was also a really good way for me to, you know, kind of sift through my own internal shit when it comes to relationships. Cause it, it was in some of those conversations I was having with Ree or champagne. And I was just like, man, like I am not built for a relationship. Like not at this point, like, like I'm maybe not the best person to be with because I still have so much to work on personally before I can dive into a relationship and hope it's successful. So, you know, at that point, I had felt like I was just going crazy. Like I was losing my mind and I had lost. Like, essentially, I felt like, you know, I went from going going from feeling like a loser to feeling like I had completely lost. Like I was at rock bottom at that point, like. I didn't have anyone I could really talk to or turn to. And cause I had to really keep that facade up. Like I'm doing good. Like I'm not tripping off of it. Like, you know, but I was super depressed. Like I was way like it was different when my brother and my nephew died because I had a partner and I had to keep a, a strong face. Uh, but after I moved back in with my mom, I was able to just kind of close myself off and, you know, after I got my own place, finally, after COVID uh, hit, you know, I kind of stopped my plans on moving out because no place was renting apartments. But finally, I was able to move back out and relaunch the podcast. 
you know, it was after that point, you know, things started looking up slightly. You know, I had, you know, after I moved into my own place, a friend of mine, having his son was shot and killed. And that was the first time I was able to use my podcast as a platform to really get a message out there. And after the interview I did with him, it was uh, the first time I had ever gotten like any kind of media responses. Like I got hit up by a few news outlets and uh, the pitch. It was just like, wow, people are listening. People see this. Like it was it was crazy. Like it was the first episode I ever streamed over a thousand it was just like, yo, this is crazy. Like, but at the same time, it was a bittersweet feeling because a four-year-old boy was shot and killed. You know, I met Legend um, a few times, two times, and he was just the most incredible little boy. Like, so much life, so much energy, lovable. Like, his kids do not like me. Like, for some reason, kids are just like, no, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Uh, but Legend instantly ran up to me, started talking to me, started playing with me, jumped on my back. You know, I was playing around with him. I was like, all right, I'm about to leave. Come on, you coming with me. And he was like, all right, let's go. And I was just like, wow, this kid's incredible. And for his life to be snatched away over some bullshit so young, it was just like a crazy, crazy feeling. I was able to use my platform to get the word out and help Raphael, his father, get through. You know, he, he's a very shy guy, so he wasn't giving interviews. He wasn't talking to anyone. Just giving him the ability to come on here and really talk about how he felt, I I was just moved beyond words that something I created had that power. And then after I was able to get featured on a few publications, I you know got the balls to got the balls up to email the Kansas City Association of Black Journalists and was just like, have I done enough to qualify to join your ranks? And the guy was just like, you know. We don't have any podcasters among us, but, you know, I feel like you have. Why don't you go ahead and send your application through? We'll review it. And by the grace of God, I was able to be accepted. I felt vindicated almost. Like what I've been doing finally born some sort of fruit. And then after that, you know, I had started my relationship with the Pitch KC. And I had started out just referring them articles or, or interviews that I had did with people that they may want to interview. So I had sent them information in my interview with uh, Maria De Lopez, the uh, Peace Street Paranormal, uh, paranormal investigator in Kansas City. Only black female paranormal investigator in the U.S. Uh, back when I interviewed her. I don't know if that's changed. Or, and uh, Shea Phillips, uh, creator of Godly Fine Wine. You know, they got articles done on them. And then finally, with the other, the third article, you know, Brock, the editor-in-chief, was talking about, hey, would you be interested in giving writing a shot? And I was completely blown away because I have always wanted to be a writer. Like my mom always tell, told me she wanted to be a writer, but she could never do it. So I always looked at writing like something that was respectable like, or something that everybody couldn't do because my mom couldn't do it. So obviously that's something that is spectacular. And so I always loved literature in the sense of, you know, I'd get audiobooks from the library and listen to them. Uh, because my reading skills were, were shit. So the idea of me writing was is uh, ridiculous. So pretty much I was just like, yeah, I could give it a shot. And I did. And in February, I got my first article published in The Pitch. And then from there, it was just a matter of learning, you know, and refining myself, working hard. Yeah, it, it was just a really crazy instance. And then after that, uh, I was contacted by the Kansas City Star to see if I'd be interested in joining their advisory board. And that was just a tremendous thing that happened because it was just like, yo, I'm looked upon as some sort of authority. Like the work I've done in my community has not gone unnoticed. After that happened, I was writing. I was doing my stuff for the Star. I had joined the uh Board of Directors of the Village KC, which is an incredible organization, guys. Please make sure you go and check them out and, and donate if you're able to for our scholarship fund. So much in the Kansas City area, it's it's ridiculous. I, I got a part of that group, and then, uh, yeah, it, it was just a series of close calls because I've had two instances of really, really exciting, amazing opportunities arise in both of these instances it was kind of i really felt like i had it in the bag like uh you know one was with 
a news organization, you know, I was actually going to maybe get a show. You know, I was, I was, they were launching in a streaming platform and I was like, oh, sh- I might actually get a show. Like, this is crazy. And I had been doing, you know, I talked with them, uh, their head of news, and I had had a meeting with their, uh, with the whole group about it. And, you know, as time went on, it kind of went nowhere. And after that, I had, for the first time, applied for a position full time in journalism. And I felt like this was, you know, I really felt like I was going to get the job. And, you know, in a sense, they kind of made me feel like I was going to get it, too. And then I didn't. And then that really, you know, just those two close calls, like being so close to life changing events and then not getting it really kind of put me in a, a, you know, back in that I felt like depressed, you know, for the first time since in a year, pretty much. Uh, And I really hadn't to deal with that. So finally, I was writing this article. See, everything comes back full circle. I was writing this article about mental health. And as I was doing my research, I was just like, yo, they're talking to me. They're talking directly to me. Or this person is going through exactly what I'm going through. And it hit me. It was just like, bro, you need to stop. Like, you need to take a moment, take a step back and just sit in that emotion. Like, you haven't let yourself grieve or you haven't let yourself feel those emotions, the anger, the guilt, the shame, and you haven't worked through them. So you pretty much just you know, blocking them off, you're building a wall, essentially, and you're hoping, you know, what's behind that wall never breaks through. I don't know if y'all have ever read a a story called The Tall Tale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe, but it's a story about a guy who murders a man and rips out his heart and, and hides it under the floorboards. And the guilt of that guy, you know, the guilt of what he's done, he hears the heart beating under the floorboards and it drives him crazy. And I I felt like that's what was happening. Uh, Like I had, I I could hear it thumping, uh, but just wasn't acknowledging it. And I felt like people could feel like seeing having that break. And I I made the decision to take time off. And, you know, I had pretty much thrown myself into work to avoid every, you know, ever since those deaths in my family, I had thrown myself in work with the podcast and then i had i had thrown myself into uh, journalism essentially to avoid dealing with the breakup and then i had thrown myself into the articles to avoid dealing with the others like i kept building on to the series of avoidance so i didn't have to deal with it by adding something else to work towards it was at that point i was just like i need to stop like i need to really take a moment and tell myself that I'm not okay. Like, I haven't been okay for quite some time. It was at the point where I had, like, completely, almost in a sense, forgotten who I was in these past 10 or so years because I had to continue to create personas to mask whatever hurt I was going through, whatever whatever emotions I was going through, and to the point where I was just like, I'm no longer the person I knew back then. You know, just doing that really helped me to take a moment to be like, yo, things aren't all right. Like things haven't been all right, but I think they're going to be all right. I think they're going to be okay. I think I'm going to be okay. You know, there's a lot of stuff I haven't gone into that plays into these, you know, plays into this narrative. But those are all just the broad strokes, the long story shorts. But it's crazy how much. This last month and a half, you know, the positivity that's come from it, the, you know, for I I guess uh, after those two instances of me thinking that I was going to actually succeed, like in a sense, that was like, this is my graduation. Like, you know, I always felt like everybody looked at me like a failure after I didn't finish college, even though I know nobody cares about me in these Kansas City streets. I know nobody's thinking, oh, JM's a failure because he didn't, you know, it's so far removed that who cares but in my own head that's what was getting yelled at me like you're a failure you're a loser you're never going to be anything 
you know, when I had these two instances where it's like, yo, you might actually make it. It was just like, yo, you you've done it after they didn't happen. It was just like, ouch, like it actually hurt. I had come to the point where like you need to let yourself feel that hurt. Let yourself go through those emotions and then talk to yourself about them. Like talk to your friends about it. Like for the longest time, I really felt like I couldn't talk to my friends about what was going on with me. And then as I did, it was just like, yo, you you were going through the same shit years ago. Or you understand in a way I didn't really understand that someone could. Yeah, it really just gave me the the ability to take a moment and reevaluate stuff and talk to myself about things and really ask myself, how do you feel about this? Like, how do you feel about being single at 33 with no kids? How do you feel about everything that's going on with your friends and, you know, losing your certain friends that you thought were your people's and certain family members not being as down for you as you thought they were. How does that make you feel? And just being able to have those hard conversations with myself and actually see, like, I might need to get some professional help has been tremendous. It's really almost given me a second lease on life because at one point I just felt like I'm done with this. Like, hopefully there's reincarnation so I can hit reset and go through this again and make better choices. Essentially, you know, you know, we got what we got here on this earth. And, you know, oh, also my, my father passed. And I realized one of those long, hard conversations that that man was like my arch nemesis in my head. Like a lot of what I did in my life, like getting going to college and, you know, uh, writing articles. A lot of that was just to be like, see, nigga, I did it and I did it without you. And I didn't realize how how much how petty I was in my relationship when it came to my father until after he passed and not having that individual, I could say, you know, good, I did it without you was a big, I, I really kind of lost my way after that. Like, I didn't know what to do after that because I didn't know what I was doing because a lot of what I've been doing was just to be like, show that nigga, I'm a better man than you ever were because I didn't know him. I didn't, I didn't really just, you know, I didn't think about him until I saw him years later and he told me it is what it is in terms of me getting an apology. So, you know, after that, I was just like, yo, I'm better than you. I'm going to be better than you. And you're going to hear about it. And after he died, I was just like, what now? Like, who else do I have to impress? Like nobody. So I guess the moral of the story is take time, really evaluate what you're doing with your life. Evaluate the people in your life. Evaluate how those people make you feel in your life. Just do what you feel is going to make you happy like do and believe in yourself like a lot of the times i thought like i'm not going to be anything because nobody cares about what i had to say and it wasn't until i started getting those you know confirmations that people are listening that i was just like yo i need to go balls to the wall with this and you know i, I just encourage everybody out there to be supportive of the people in their lives who are setting out to do things and be patient with them and let them know like, Hey, I see what you're doing. Uh, keep going. And uh, that's been a huge part of my podcast is reaching out to people who's doing work in Kansas city and saying, yo, I see what you're doing. Keep going. And that actually in retrospect has been one of the biggest facets of me being able to move into journalism. Uh, because when these news outlets decide that they do want to start telling black stories more, I'm the guy in the city who has these black stories. So it's just an overwhelming blessing I've been able to do this and that I am progressing as I am with no college degree or with no financial backing or it's just a, a blessing and a miracle that I've been able to go through everything I've gone through and still be here. Like it's it's been a few times where I'm just like, I don't know where I'm going to be in a year. Crazy thought to think like I lost the passion for living life, but really this podcast and everything I'm doing here in the city, you folks, you know, you listeners and everybody supporting online has really given me a second life because after me and my ex broke up, I lost the will to live. Like I didn't think anything was going to come from my life after that point, like I thought the best thing that ever happened to me, you know, the best part of my life was over. 
And, you know, essentially I just was just like, I'm done with life at this point. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. Like, thankfully, God had other plans for me. And thankfully, you guys really helped me to pull myself out of that. Felt like you all deserve uh, explanation as to why I've been having this long absence and explanation as to, you know, what the holdup's been on certain things. Like I've said, I was going to do certain things with the show and that's been, you know, uh, held up and changed and, you know, having people on is also super hard, but you know, you guys and you guys are just amazing. Like I really can't stress that enough on how much you guys have helped me and how much you guys have done for this city. Like just to have people to contact me and say, yo, being on your show has done tremendous things for my business or being on my show. I've gotten so much feedback that has helped me or having you write about me in your article has, you know, changed my life. It's been so, I mean, I can't express, you know, Kanye West, you say, I wish I could give you this feeling. I didn't understand what he meant until I had that feeling like, and now I just wish I could give that to everybody. So I just wanted to take this moment to tell you folks, thank you. And I'm doing all right. I'm doing good for the first time in such a long time. I'm doing, I'm happy, like actually happy about life. Like I'm enjoying life. And I really pray that everybody out there finds that too, like finds their passion, finds their drive and motivation. And remember, it's not like you are not a credit score. You are not the car you drive. You are not the apartment you stay in. Like there is so much more to each and every one of you out there. It's crazy. Like you all are, that's why I call this show Urban Alchemy because like alchemy is a form of science and, and magic almost. You all are magic. Like you all are scientists out here cracking the code. You have the chemical formula to the to the the, the serum that's going to save lives. Like you just need to know you can do it. We need to push each other out here. Like so many times I just really let myself think like you ain't shit. You ain't going to be shit and you're going to end up like your father. And I realize now that's an unhealthy way of evaluating yourself like I am who I am I am my experiences all I can hope for is my future is built off of better experiences than have happened in the past you know uh, I've been able to help so many people with my experiences with loss I've been able to help so many people with this platform I've been able to help so many people through the articles that I know my life has value I know just because I'm not working at the job that makes me a lot of money, I'm not a failure. You know, I know just because things didn't go as I planned out when I was 18, I'm not a failure. Uh, and I want all of you guys to know out there, your time is coming. Like, your change is coming. Like, God still has a plan for you. And I, that's just something I'm really ashamed to say is I, I lost my connection with God. Like, I really forgot what it felt like to be connected. Uh, but yeah, I I really hope the this you know episode has not sound like ramblings and just a bunch of ranting and raving. I really hope some of you have taken something out of here, and I really hope to continue to just have these personal talks about myself with my listeners. Because longest time I really felt like you just got you guys did not care about hearing from me. You just really wanted to hear from my guest, or you wanted to hear about movies, or you wanted to hear about relationships, but. You know, as I've taken this break and have had more people contact me saying, yo, what's going on? You know, yo, when are you dropping other episodes? Are you have you quit the podcast, you know, because your articles are taking off? And it's just like, no, I'm just I just need to take some time. So this is my way of just letting you guys know I'm OK. Things are going back good. But like I just made a post in my um, on Facebook a week ago that things have you know been going tremendously well. I'm, I'm going back to releasing episodes next week and or this week you'll be hearing this and uh i'm gonna have two articles featured the september edition of the pitch kc so please be sure to check those articles out they're going to be over the kansas city's people's choice awards which i believe may be the first written publication printed publication for that event and an article over three incredible black children's book authors here in the metro area so so shout out to those three individuals who helped me out with those interviews who have written incredible children's books. So if you have children, please be sure to pick up these books. Uh, so shout out to Crystal Reed, uh, Hugs from the Sky, Dayon Richardson, 
I Told the Storm and Miss Kia Crosstail, uh, The Thought Jar. So those are three incredible books I hope everybody picks up. And I was also invited to join the advisory board for Channel 41 News. And yeah, those are just huge things that happened. I was just like, thank you, God. I needed those little victories to pop back up. So I didn't feel like a loser. Uh, But yeah, and also I'm going to be featured in Voyage KC, which is an online publication. And it's actually going to be my first time being interviewed by a publication. So shout out to them for reaching out. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to year two for Urban Alchemy Podcast and looking forward to working with you guys. We've done incredible, amazing things in this first year. So who knows what's on the horizon for year two. So that's all I got. I hope you all are keeping your heads up. And, you know, I always say keep creating KC on my post for my community group because I want you guys to keep pushing and keep making things because... Just like me, you never know what, what what's going to be the, the end result. So keep creating, KC, and as always, stay safe and stay blessed. I will catch you all later. Peace. Peace.